The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 51 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, assuming, of course, that you're paying attention. We have another empowering episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts, you, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have our latest regular feature, Unscripted Cohorts, plus questions from someone who's been paying attention and someone who hasn't. After the you part comes part two, the them part where each episode we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today decided to shelter in place rather than drive all the way down from Scranton, down here to locked down Montgomery County. So instead, as a public service, we are going to continue to explore the details of how you personally can run for public office, regardless of the office, regardless of the party, regardless of your agenda. We call it participatory democracy, and today we'll be doing parts three and four specifically how to get votes and how to make news, respectively. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it will be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's going to be more ranting about the so-called Patriot Movement. And throughout our show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials, Today, we have distinguished Toastmaster Lisa Jones. She's a member of two clubs, Swede Talkers and Cherry Hill Toastmasters Clubs. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Lisa. Thank you, Ken. You know, I always have to ask, what do you like about Toastmasters? Well, I like improving my communication skills and leadership skills as well, because Toastmasters helps with both of those things. Mm -hmm. It's a leadership side that usually gets not mentioned. People are like, oh, yeah, you do public speaking, (laughs) but you learn other things. I learned diplomacy in Toastmasters. I, I was raised in North Philly, and I was just a say what I like, and I don't <laughs> care what you think. But I couldn't do that during an evaluation. No. <laughs> you want to, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> we also have with us a second Toastmaster, according to another one of our ancient customs. He'll help us read and respond to whatever comes through our mailbag. And he joins in our discussions with our missing guest. It's a role we call cohort. Today's cohort is no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. He was our narrator back in episode 43, and this will be his first time warming the cohort chair. He's a member of the Pocono Toastmasters who did not decide to self-isolate, one of those words. <laughs> Ed Metz, welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Ed. Thanks, Ken. Good to be back. I know. What made you come back? You think you'd know better by now. <laughs> I guess I didn't learn my lesson the first time. No. Good stuff. And since you've been gone, as you know, we have adopted that new ancient custom because you were here... What was it? It was episode 43, 43 yeah. not that long ago, nine episodes mm-hmm. ago, 10th episode back if you're counting that way. But since then, we started our 
new custom of having the cohort bring a question with them because that way it adds to the, the whole thing. It also makes you a little more part of it. And I've never heard the question before. This is right out of Toastmasters where we always practice our impromptu speaking. Yep. So what do you got for us? All right. Well, I, I really have to say I, I like this new ancient custom of yours. <laughs> Thank uh, you. So you've, here's your question. You've led a long and interesting life, a fulfilling so, life. Right? So far. Tell us a story of the time you came closest to dying. Oh, which one? Good <laughs> grief. Up to you. The guy who plays the music for Pennsylvania Project, Joe the Pag, he and I and our friend Bart, we have literally faced death many, many, many times. Hmm. Uh, let me pick on one. It was on, we were out hiking. And matter of fact, I'm going to have Joe come on the air and we're going to talk about this. So I'm actually tipping my hand on this. We were in the Catskill Mountains in New York State and the storm of the century hit. It was in March. We always go every March. And I've been doing every March since I was in college. And this year is, I don't know, what, the 30th or 40th time we've done it. But we were up there for a week of hiking across the Catskills. And there was snow on the peaks, like three, four feet of snow still on the peaks. And the valleys were snow-free. But the storm of the century hit, and it melted all that snow. And the, the sides of the mountain were literally sheets of water rolling down. Every leaf was a little waterfall. Every fallen log was a bigger waterfall. And we had to ford raging mountain streams halfway down the side of the mountain. One misstep and you'd be washed away and you'd be over the cliff. And we're handing, it's almost waist deep water. And when we got out of the mountains and we saw the car up ahead, we thought, hallelujah. <laughs> but our problems were just starting. It just went on from there because there was a mudslide that happened literally right in front of us, almost washed the car away, hmm. and on and on. And I mean, it was, like I said, we're going to, as soon as I can get Joe Pag to come on the show, and he and I talk about it every couple of weeks, Joe, when are we going to do this? He travels right. for work a lot. But we're going to be covering that. And also there's another time we were canoeing the Lehigh, and the water was too high, and we were stupid. We should not have been in the water at that point. Even the ranger said that. You guys are stupid. <laughs> I still have a scar on my knee from it. Wow. So it's two, and there's another one. We were camped on the Appalachian Trail. It was 50-mile-an-hour winds and below zero. Like I said, there are just so many of sure. them. I'm surprised that I'm <clears throat> still alive. For our okay. edification to make it all the way to the Pennsylvania Project. And then I had hepatitis B when I was 10 years old, and they thought I wasn't going to come out of that. Mm. And I had mononucleosis twice. And what? I had two big brothers. I'm lucky I survived that. I had a little <laughs> brother, though. I could take it all out on him. It's an interesting right. question. Yeah, cool. I mean, I was. You've dodged a number of bullets in your life. Uh, yeah, and I'm still dodging them, too. I haven't, didn't catch the coronavirus <laughs> or anything, even though I was in Seattle when it broke. And I came back, and next thing I know, Montgomery County is suddenly infected. And I'm like, did I do that? <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Good question. All right. So what other kind of questions do we have? Well, we have a couple from the mailbag. Uh, we have Bernie McCann from Ellswood City, Pennsylvania, says, I want to hear what you'd tell your audience. They're closing all bars and restaurants in Allegheny County. Some may never reopen, of course. My friend Shrank lost tons of money on his 401k. Would you tell your audience to self-quarantine if they test positive? I'm sure you would. Been a while, Bernie. Last time you sent in a question was episode 24. And this is, what, 51. Welcome back. And it looks like you're still a few dozen episodes behind us because I talked about the coronavirus in episode 50. I assume that's what you're talking about. And it was a very good rant if I say so myself, I enjoyed it. 
And for those who didn't hear it, that rant was about how badly the world is reacting to the whole coronavirus nonsense and actually making things worse, much, much worse than it could have been otherwise. I'm not going to repeat it much, so I'd love to. But let me highlight some of the low points here and update a few points that I mentioned in episode 50. First of all, and directly directly address your question, it's very libertarian to self-quarantine. As I said a million and one times on the Pennsylvania Project, let me repeat the central libertarian principle for the million and tooth time. You have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided you respect the rights and property of others. So if you're stick Bernie, stay the, stay the hell home, regardless of whether it's corona, flu, measles, or anything contagious, because you would not be respecting others if you went out and about infecting the world. In my rant, I also mentioned how we're not able to stop corona and how these social distancing games only serve to double the length of the pandemic. All that's being drawn out right now, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. I also mentioned the insane experiment that the Japanese performed on the Diamond Princess cruise ship by imposing a forced quarantine, where one case of corona unsurprisingly turned into 500 cases, and then seven people died. Hmm, That's what happens. Then there's the enormous economic impact. The Dow is now 2,000 points lower than it was during my last rant. So it's fallen from 30,000 to below 20,000, and it's still falling, all because, because of those misguided policies of the governments of the world. Now, what's more important, though, I notice how the overwhelming majority of people do not die from corona. Only the old and the sick are in, at risk of dying. So rather than locking down the whole world, like we've done in a futile attempt to contain the spread of the virus... I suggested in my rant last week only to quarantine the old and the sick, while the rest of us should go about our lives and supporting the sick as best we can. Based on historical trends that would cut in half or longer the length of the pandemic and let it come to its natural end while we are busy protecting the most vulnerable people. And it is coming to an end, and I notice no one is talking about it. Instead, the world governments continue to double down on a failed strategy. But if you look at the graphs, you'll see that new cases in China took off in mid-January, started to come down in mid-February, and by now, I hear they're at zero. Last week, the Chinese president visited Wuhan to announce the steady drop in new cases and the zero new cases. Restaurants are opening back up, and BBC called it, quote, a nationwide green light, a way of sending out a signal that the return to normalcy should carry on apace. Are you hearing that in the American news? Lisa, did you hear that in American news? No, absolutely no? not. No. What are they doing? I don't know. I had to go digging for that news, but at least we're talking about it. Elon Musk, the key man behind Tesla and SpaceX, he pointed out how you're far more likely to be killed in a car crash than from corona. It's not one of the top 100 health risks in the country. And former presidential candidate Ron Paul recently pointed out how the worldwide death total has only reached 5,000 in total. While tuberculosis killed 1.6 million in 2017, why, why the outcry against corona? Tuberculosis is pretty much just, it's just catchy. Well, Ron Paul, he's a little bit of a conspiracy guy. I like Ron Paul, though. He said, quote, this coronavirus pandemic could be a big hoax with the actual danger of the disease massively exaggerated by those who seek to profit financially or politically from the ensuing panic, unquote. Well, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I cannot gainsay him. But let me sum up by saying if we just let this thing run its course, just go about our lives as normal, protect the old and sick as best we can by keeping them quarantined, and we'll get through this. 
You know, I've had people tell me how cruel I am. Oh, you're going to lock up the old and the sick? Yeah, but they're ignoring the fact that today, the old and the sick are already locked up, as well as hundreds of millions more people who are not at risk. I'm in favor of freeing those hundreds of millions, in favor of freeing the economy, in favor of cutting in half the duration of the pandemic. And the sooner we can can concentrate on that, the quicker the world can recover, and so will Shrank's 401k. My opinion. What do you think? Am I off the rails? I have to agree. I have I have liberal friends who have thrown me overboard, but uh, <laughs> as a result, but just looking at the numbers, uh-huh. I have a degree in physics. I went and I did. Right. I read the original studies. I I don't listen to what the media says. I go and look mm-hmm. for myself. Well, I've self quarantined from the media here the last <laughs> few days, so that I've I've certainly Smart done. Smart move. But uh, yeah, that the numbers just aren't playing out yet. Might it get far worse? It might. Mm-hmm. But so far, the numbers are are. Uh, keeping it down. And I, I think our president's doing a good job of, you know, managing the panic as best he can and giving our, well, given our country a... Two things. First of all, we're the Pennsylvania Project. We don't care what Washington does. And yeah, second sure. of all, who pays attention to that president anyhow? <laughs> all right. We got another, any more questions? There is another question <laughs> from uh, Ralph McKittrick of Slatington. Uh, he says, maybe you're counting your episodes in base nine these days. I see you went directly from episode 48 to episode 50. What happened to episode 49? <laughs> Ralph, I wonder how many listeners know what base nine <laughs> is. Because in Pennsylvania, a state where virtually no one is taught the Pennsylvania Constitution, I would not be surprised if they missed teaching kids such basic math, pun intended. For the benefit of those of you who attended a government school, we normally use base 10 in all our counting. That means base 10, there are 10 digits in our counting system, zero through nine, where nine, after nine comes 10, after 99 comes 100 and so on. But in base nine, after eight comes 10, after 88 comes 100 and so on. You might know base 12, we use that pretty regularly on our clocks, because after 12 comes, to, comes one. It's pretty simple. Base nine, really. To paraphrase that great musical satirist from the 1960s, Tom Lehrer, counting in base nine is just like counting in base 10 if you're missing one finger. Mm. I remember him. Yeah, totally. I get to sing a couple of his songs. I grew up with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I assume Ralphie's point that is that episode 50 immediately followed episode 48, which it did here on WWDB Radio in Philadelphia. I was talking to Brett about that before the show, too. That's because episode 49 was a road trip. We went to Pennsylvania's Libertarian Party State Convention. And our dear producer, who's over there playing with his phone, he hasn't finished stitching it all together yet. But it's coming, and soon, I hope. So hang in there, Ralph. We're not shifting to base nine or anything like that. We're going to hang with it. So on that promising note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 51 of the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be presenting a public service titled Participor- I can't say it. <laughs> Participatory Democracy, Parts 3 and 4, How to Get Votes, and How to Make News, respectively. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. 
Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do these words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct <coughs> quotes taken from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? But if you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we change those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we're here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now Why it's on top of your mind. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. The look on your face says it all, Lisa. Too true. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 51 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. As I mentioned at the top of the show, our guest is self-isolating today. So instead, we'll be presenting another public service on how to run for public office. Let me see if I can say it. Call it Participatory Democracy Parts 3 and 4, specifically how to get votes and how to make news. And we're fortunate to have Ed Metz with us today as our cohort since he's run for Mon Monroe County Commissioner a number of years ago. He's been there, done that. <laughs> been there, done that, but... I can give you the master class on how not to win an election. <laughs> That's all right. Didn't Thomas Edison yeah. say that? He found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. That's right. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 
Well, let me start off with the way we started with part one, which was with a couple questions. How many of you are happy with the political scene in America today? Are you happy with the job our elected officials are doing? I don't think so. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a novel suggestion. Get up and do something about it. Specifically, have you ever considered running for public office yourself? That's why we're presenting the series of presentations on participatory democracy. Our goal is to empower the average citizen to run for public office. Parts one and two aired in episode 50. They covered how to get your name on the ballot, very important, and how to get volunteers, just as important. Today we're doing parts three and four, how to get votes, how to make news. Let's start with the votes. Where do you get them? Well, from voters, of course, right? And where do you find these elusive voters? The late great science fiction author Robert Heinlein answered that question in his wonderful book called Take Back Your Government. And he said, quote, Elections are won with votes. Those votes are out in the precincts. Anything which brings your candidate, you, or your volunteer into direct contact with the doorbell of a private home is the best possible campaigning, unquote. In other words, go door to door because that's where the votes are. I see Ed nodding his head. Yep. Now, you ran for county commissioner. That's a lot of doors to knock on. I did. It's a lot of doors to knock on. <laughs> Clearly, I didn't knock on, a lot, uh, on enough Not of enough. them. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, a candidate going door to door solves two key purposes. Number one, obviously, the voters get to meet you. And that's important because people, they like to vote for people that they know. I found that one out. It also generates a buzz because they'll tell their friends, hey, guess who came by the house today? Admits that guy running for county, whatchamacallum. There's, and people surprised me. I got surprised with some reactions. One guy didn't even ask what I stood for. He says, oh, great, put up a yard sign. I'm glad you're here. Another one, after he heard what I was doing, he says, listen, I'll go volu- I'll volunteer to go door to door for you. Mm-hmm. That rocks. My favorite was a guy I ran into at the local bar a couple weeks later. He bought me a beer. <laughs> Doesn't get better than free beer. So that's one reason why you want people to know you. Mm-hmm. Number two, not just that they get to know you, you get to know the voters. That's important because you find out what's actually important to them. You know, I thought I knew what the government, what the country needed, what the state needed. You know, less government, lower taxes, less spending, all these abstract concepts. Well, I learned something. This is not what most people want. Their needs tend to be a lot more concrete, less abstract. Things like, how can I stop the neighbor's dog from barking? I want more money for schools, less money for schools. I want end abortions. I want free abortions or whatever. And this go on and on and on. Going door to door, I found out exactly what the people wanted. And it doesn't matter if you're running for a dog catcher, Monroe County Commissioner, President. If you don't have your finger on that pulse, you are running in a vacuum. And we all know vacuums suck. It's an old physics joke. Mm-hmm. And once you know what the voters want, you could tell your message to better fit what they, they want. Or at least you can avoid the pitfalls. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you know the door-to-door is important, the question is, what doors? Where? It sounds like a silly question, but when you go door-to-door, you do not actually go door-to-door. Instead, you should travel strategically, hit certain houses, certain people. Ed is nodding his head over and over. Influencers, as it were. Ah, I'm getting to that. Yeah. Who, in general, they should be registered voters. Why bother going to the home of somebody who is not registered to vote? They're not going to vote for you. You know... Somebody asked me, why don't I want to visit them and get them registered? Well, I tried that once. And let me clue you in, it does not work. 
Most people have deep-seated reasons why they are not registered, and I found it a waste of time to tilt against that windmill. So you only want registered voters. But how do you know they're registered? Easy. You can get a free street list from your county election board. Or, even better, in Pennsylvania, we have the SURE database, S-U-R-E, State Uniform Registry of Electors. For $35, you can get a CD with 8 million names of voters in the state, plus their addresses, party affiliation, voting history, even their birthdays. What more can you possibly want to ask for? It's definitely worth the 35 bucks. Okay, so you got your street list. You know every voter and where they live, but who do you go to first? Well, you don't need a street list. You go to your neighbors and friends first. That's what I did first anyway, because I was nervous. I mean, I just didn't want to do it. But it gives you practice with people you already know and gets you more comfortable with the idea of meeting strangers. And me, I did libertarians next. That's pretty easy too, since I'm a libertarian. They already agree with me, your life, your way. <laughs> and they're also a great source of donations and volunteers. Where did you start, Ed? Mm -hmm. uh, similar, I started in my neighborhood because we had to get our petitions signed in the first place. You spoke about that last week. Mm -hmm. So we had to get, uh, I don't even remember how many signatures we needed, at least 100, I think it was. Well, it's about 10 to 30 times more than we third party and yeah. independents need. Right. Because you guys made the laws that way. I didn't make the laws that way. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Right. You digress. But I uh, had to get uh, signatures on petitions, so those were you know, fertile ground, start in the neighborhood, like you say, start with friends from church, all over the place. And I was amazed. I had people like you offering, hey, let me volunteer mm -hmm. with you. It, it's totally amazing. Didn't even have to ask. I know. I expected death threats <clears throat> when I got involved yeah. in politics, but I found most people are just, they're good people. Right, right. Um, and the way, the way at least county commissioner vote works, uh, you vote for two. So they, you can vote for your favorite guy and me. There you go. Right. Well, I started with the Libertarians, then I did the nonpartisans because they already don't associate with the two old parties. They're more likely to vote for you. Then after that come the super voters, your influencers. No, they're not voters with a cape. They vote in every election. And if you have that sure database, you know who they are. Now, you're pretty much guaranteed they're going to vote again. Maybe they won't vote for you, but you want them to know about you at least. After that, I went for the young voters because they're a great source for volunteers. They're energetic, idealistic, terrible for donations, though. Mm -hmm. They have no money. No money. So after the visiting friends, libertarians, nonpartisans, the capeless super voters, and the young, then you think about voting everybody else. And who don't you visit? Non-registered voters. And I always did the, non -crowd, the more crowded neighborhoods first, because you get more bang for your shoe leather. Target-rich environment. Yes, and I always go during daylight. So what do you say when you knock on the door? Now you're standing on the doorstep of your strategically chosen voter. What do you do? You ring the bell. But not all bells work. So after ringing the bell, I count to 15 slowly, and then I knock three times, just like that. And if nobody's home, I pull out my flyer and write on it, dear Mr. So-and-so, sorry I missed you. I'll try to stop back. Sign it, date it, move on. But if they do answer the door, oh, here it goes. Showtime. First thing you do is smile. That's probably the most important thing you can do. And it's also important to be brief. Good afternoon, Mrs. So-and-so. My name is Ken, and I'm running for a dog catcher. I just wanted to stop by and introduce myself and find out if you had any concerns with the town. That's the hard part. You wait. You listen. You wait them out. And when they talk, keep smiling. Nod your head. Pull out a pen and paper. Take notes. 
You're going to need those notes in a minute anyhow. And always give them brief, brief targeted answers to their concern. Yes, taxes are too high. I've pledged to vote against all tax increases. Yes, schools have a problem, but I'm pledged to foster more parental involvement or whatever it is that you're running on. But remember, don't waste the afternoon there. Be brief. If they push it and they keep talking, give them your personal cell number. Have them t- tell them to give you a call that evening because you need the daylight hours for your knocking. And don't hand them your flyer until you leave because otherwise they're going to read it. And they're going to be reading that not listening to you. And it's going to generate more questions. They're going to keep you there longer, take up more of your daylight hours. So there you go. You're, there you are standing on the voter's doorstep. You've smiled. You've listened. You've taken notes. Now is the time for the very crucial item to close the sale. Ask for their vote. If they've been neutral or positive, you could just ask them, can I count on your support in November? If they haven't been too supportive, says, well, I hope you'll consider voting for me in November. Hand them your flyer and then get out. As my salesman brother would say, never, ever sell past the close. That wasn't so hard, was it? But what's more important is what you do afterward. Step away from the door and make notes. Write down their name, who you spoke to, their address, the issues they raised, the name of the dog they have, the kids, anything, what you talked about. And when you get home, transcribe those notes into a spreadsheet. Or better yet, have a volunteer do that. And you should also take note even if they weren't at home. Those notes, they are gold because you can use them. Targeted mailings, follow-up visits, future flyers, source of volunteers, fundraising, and most importantly, votes. You can use them for votes. So that's how I go about it. Why go, where to go, what to say, what to do afterwards. And when you're done, you'll know the voters and the voters will know you. How close is that aligned with your your experience, Ed? Very close, but I wish I had listened to your show before I was, <laughs> before I was running. One of the things I did not do, um, and I just got stuck talking to people forever. It just, it's a quagmire, right? So I learned later uh, that it's good to bring someone with you and they can say, oh, we have to go oh, right, one of these deals. I like right? that. So it's not you cutting the conversation short. Mm-hmm. It's your it's your cohort that uh, that comes up with you. I'm making and a says, wait, 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 We have to go. We we got that thing. You know, that thing might be next door, but we got that thing. <laughs> I love it, Ed. <clears throat> you can tell you've been around yeah. the block. Yeah, yeah. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 51 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information, and we'll be talking about making news. Do you like the Pennsylvania Project? You must. After all, you're listening to it right now. But would you like more? More of the rants, the guests, the fun? Well, you're in luck, because back by popular demand, we've added even more content. Things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show, while we continue our on-air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted, and often includes things we can't say on air, or shouldn't. Would you like access to each episode the day it's recorded? Live streams on every show as it happens? Behind the scenes interviews and bonus videos with our guests? All this and more is now available at PennsylvaniaProject.com. But wait, there's more. Sign up today. And you also get a copy of Ken's novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Ian Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. How's that for more content? You can be the content. So if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, head on over to PennsylvaniaProject.com and click the More Fun link at the top of the page. 
solve the correct problem correctly, and sign up today. Hey, Ed Metz here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters and now I'm on the radio. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V. W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Fly Fisherman, new and old? Understand the importance of affordable quality gear. At Christopher Faith Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you fish dries, wets, or any combination, Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania Proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's ChristopherFaithFlyFishing.com. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and we're back with episode 51 of the Pennsylvania Project, and we're in the middle of presenting our public service on participatory democracy and how you personally can run for public office. Before the break, we talked about the best way to find votes. Now we come to part four, the most interesting part of any campaign, making news. Note how I did not say making the news. I said making news because making the news is reactive, but making news is proactive. And when you say news, you're talking about the media, print media, online media, social media, TV, radio, podcasts, and worse. And when you're a candidate, your biggest friend is the media because nowhere else will you find a bigger megaphone for your views. But in order to use the media effectively, you have to understand the media. And it starts with the key question I always love to ask, what problem are they solving? But what do you think the purpose of the media is? Is it to keep the public informed, uncover corruption, mold public opinion? Ed, what do you think? I'll make it easy uh, on you. I'll tell you, any of them, but their, go ahead. You, their, their goal is to sell papers and course. banner ads. Clicks and that's banner ads. And, yep. and you as the candidate, that should be your goal as well. You want to help the media succeed at selling papers and banner ads. Never forget that. The media is your friend. You're going to help them. There are many ways you can get into the media, and the absolute worst is to place an ad or run a commercial. How many banner ads do you read? I don't read any. And it gets expensive very, very quickly. And yeah, it does have some limited success, 
What you want is big success, not dribs and drabs. And the best way to get big success is to make your own news. Sounds scary, doesn't it? Making your own news. It's like robbing a bank or something. Most people don't think of themselves as newsmakers. But as a candidate, you should definitely be thinking that way. It's not that difficult. All you have to do is just stage some sort of event, any sort of event, demonstration, a rally, anything. Because nothing gets media attention like a bunch of people getting together. And the best way to get the media to know about your gathering is to send out a news release. And by the way, it's news release now, not press release. Only boomers rely on the presses these days. <laughs> Speaking as a boomer, I know. News releases are very simple to create. They're just one page, three paragraphs. So get out your number two pencils and let's look at the innards of a press release. Paragraph one, who, what, where, when, and why. Classic journalism 101 that you never took at college. Let me give you an example, just a short one. This is a rally we held about the Patri USA Patriot Act. So is who, what, where, when, and why? Who, the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. What, funeral for the Bill of Rights. Where, the Valley Forge Cathedral. When, March 25th, the anniversary of the day it became law. Why, the act violates no fewer than nine of the 10 amendments in the Bill of Rights. Since the act has killed the Bill of Rights, we're going to dig a hole and bury it. Hmm. Good attention getter. Yeah. Paragraph two, quote yourself. This is your big opportunity. This is fun. Make up whatever you like, but just make it sound quotable. And here are some actual quotes. What value in defending America if we betray the very values that define her? Alliterative, very nice. You can quote others, like that very quotable guy, Ben Franklin. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And of course, you should always throw in some indignation just for extra measure. <laughs> Things like, just who do they think they are? That kind of stuff. See, I told you, it's fun. Short paragraph. Third paragraph, boilerplate, standard stuff. It just says who you are. And it's the same paragraph that appears at the bottom of every release that you send. For example, ours says, Founded in 1971, the Libertarian Party is the third largest party in Pennsylvania and the nation. Like the Founding Fathers, Libertarians believe that you have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided you respect the rights and property of others. For more information, contact your name here and your phone number there and your email address there with the URL of your website. Three paragraphs, short and sweet. And you got to make up a catchy headline for it too, not something like, Libertarians protest the bad law. No, 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 no. It's got to say, dead and buried in Valley Forge this Saturday. Get their attention. <laughs> so now you got your release in hand. Where do you send it? Yeah, you can give it to your buddy and he'll read it on his podcast. Or you could post it to Facebook somewhere, but that's dribs and drabs. You're thinking big, remember? Call CNN. Call Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, all the biggies. Call their main number and ask... Where do I send a news release? And believe it or not, they'll tell you just like that. Because they're in the business of selling papers and banner ads, remember, and they'd be crazy not to want your releases. And I was going to talk about local media. You can find those in the Pennsylvania Manual. I'll save Pennsylvania Manual for a future one. All right, so let's take a step back. Where are we now? You have your event planned and scheduled. You've written a news release. You send it to the biggies. 
Now you need to be polite and warn whoever it is that you're coming. What I do? I call the cops. And I always say the same thing. I say, hi, my name is Ken Crawchuk, candidate for whatever. And this is a courtesy call. I'm calling to let you know we're planning a peaceful rally at location XYZ on such and such a date. If you have any questions, my personal cell is whatever it is. And then I shut up. The dispatcher who takes your call will immediately route it to the sergeant. Tell the sergeant the exact same thing and then shut up. He'll route it to his lieutenant, who then routes it to his captain, who typically has enough intelligence to know the truth that this is still America and that you have the right to stage your rally in any public place without, be it known, without any permit. I've done rallies everywhere, sidewalks, parks, courthouses, offices of elected officials, inside Philadelphia International Airport. I'll talk about that in a future Hmm. episode. Even in front of private homes. And that's another story too. Repeat after me. I have the right. This is still America. And if you're paranoid, and I've done this, I did this with the IRS, I sent them a copy of my news release certified mail so they can't claim they didn't know. You're going big, remember? You gotta act the part. Now, now you're all ready. And you've done your homework and the big day arrives and you see the big payoff arriving. Reporters, they come to your event. And when you see one, drop everything else and go talk to them. Give them your quotes, speak them, speak them with gusto. Give them your handout, answer the questions and come armed with rehearsed answers. We Toastmasters are good at that. Several key points you should remember. Always speak on the record when you're talking to a reporter. I have it off the record stuff up here in the Philadelphia Inquirer the next day. Never ever lie to a reporter. I don't know is a valid answer. So is none of your beeswax. And always stick to one topic because that way it's the reason why you're there and that's what they're going to copy down. So even if the reporter says, nice day for a rally, isn't it? You reply, yeah, it's a shame they killed the Bill of Rights. Finally, when it's all over, no, it isn't because you have to put out a second release, a post-event news release. And this one's easy because you're going to use the same title, the same first paragraph, except you're going to change all the verbs to be past tense. Rally was held in Valley Forge Park at the cathedral. Paragraph two is going to be different because it's going to be a summary of what happened. 20,000 people showed up, or whatever it is, who spoke, and more pithy, fiery quotes from things that you heard there that day. And paragraph three is the same closing boilerplate, easy to put together. That final release is invaluable to the media because if they weren't there in person, you have just given them enough material to write about it as if they were there. And it is smiling and Write their own story for them, yep. Yeah. Yes, they're going to butcher it, but at least they may spell your name right. <laughs> Do you write press releases, Ed? Uh, we. <laughs> oh, no. I could see on his face. We did one, I think. One. Yeah, not enough. And, not... You, and you didn't win. No, did no. not win. So, more press releases more. is good. More Ed. rallies, more fiery mm-hmm. speakers. Absolutely. And there's a lot of arguments. <clears throat> uh, my campaign manager in the last governor race, he's, he was saying one a week. More than that, it's just mm. overkill, uh, too, too few, and they, they don't know you're alive. And then, of course, there's Twitter. You should twit every day. Yeah. I don't twit every day. I'm not a twit. I don't think Twitter existed when I ran. Uh, so. Well, it's yeah. it's around there. It's around now. I just I just don't take to it. But I think you shouldn't ignore Twitter. I had done some Facebook Live. That's mm-hmm. okay. Reaches sure. your supporters because of the people who are already convinced. And that's good, not because it's going to get you more votes, but what it's going to do is energize the faithful. Mm -hmm. Not bumper stickers do that. 
stuff like that. Anything else you want to add about making uh, news? We, uh, well, let's see. It wasn't making news as much as it was spreading the word, but we did a telephone town hall, which was interesting. Oh, so how did, how did that work? It it actually worked pretty well. We had uh, you know many people call into a conference number, uh-huh. and the screener sat there and he got their questions, and he would whisper in this ear while I'm answering a question, uh-huh. and uh, it, it was it was interesting. What I did find out is people actually lie no screener they do no they lie to the screener so they tell them that they're going to ask this and then they ask you that talk about a table topic oh my (laughs) so you're blindsided you're expecting this question and but that what that does is it illuminates the single issue voters Uh and they they are out there so they just want to know what is your stance on x (laughs) and if it disagrees with them boom you lost their vote that's all there is to it x is way down there at the end of the alphabet yeah yeah i don't like screened questions i like the unscreened ones my favorite during the governor race was during the monica Lewinsky thing back in 2002 Mm -hmm. i had some wiseacre stand up and says yeah i got a question do you cheat on your wife (laughs) and the audience goes oh (laughs) i didn't miss a beat i said not yet what did you have in mind yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. that's why i love toastmasters they Keep you mm-hmm. keep you rolling like that. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it. How to make news. That's a great way to push your cause to the public. Great way to get know your supporters better, and it's a great way to know reporters because you get their card and it goes into your Rolodex, and next time you go directly to the reporters. That's going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw: the so-called Patriot Movement. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The Infernal Revenue Service? Yep. Call them for what they are. They sent these two big brutes to the house and scared us all half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. Lots of it, too. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Yep. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. It turns out the IRS doesn't like that, and I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes. So they want it all now, right now, plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, And when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N dot com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. 
So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 51 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's the so-called Patriot Movement. This all started way back in episode 41 with an observation by Johnny Jones in response to our Facebook question, what bothers you about Pennsylvania? He replied, and I quote, the misapplication of the income tax and property tax. It does not apply to the average living, breathing man or woman, unquote. Good point, Johnny, except for one minor point. If you try to skip paying your taxes, it's a virtual certainty that sooner or later, the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue or the Infernal Revenue Service will send in the men with the guns and simply take it from you and toss your sorry butt in jail. It doesn't matter what convoluted path you follow. That's where it always ends up. You know, I'm not sure what your angle is here, Johnny, but I went into several of these so-called tax protester arguments back in my rant in episode 48. I talked about Section 861, defining domestic income. Oh, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not domestic. About Section 7701, the definition of state. Oh, I'm not in a state. And I talked about what happened to the people who relied upon them. About some of the self-described patriots, people I assume like you, Mr. Jones, who described one or more of a variety of legal theories to get out of paying taxes or otherwise dodge the man. If you rely on any of them in my studied opinion, you're throwing yourself under a legal steamroller. I said that in episode 48. I'll say it again now. Ordinarily, it's none of my business if you believe some cockamamie idea, but I've seen too many good libertarians get down the legal tubes pursuing these crazy ideas. And I've heard so many of these crazy schemes over the years that I'm back with more. So like in episode 48, my goal here today is to touch briefly on even more possibilities that didn't fit into episode 48 and those that I consider to be the worst of them, and hopefully arm you against getting sucked into any of them. For example, there's one interesting theory for not paying taxes that I studied extensively back in the 90s. It's called state citizenship, or sovereign citizens, some people call it. The basic argument is that federal citizenships were created by the 14th Amendment, and you're not necessarily a federal citizen unless you want to be. Instead, you can claim to be a citizen of the state where you were born, a Pennsylvania citizen. We are a republic, remember, a collection of sovereign states, and there are Pennsylvania citizens. And if you say you're a state citizen and not a federal one, so the theory goes, the feds no longer have any jurisdiction over you. I've seen numerous people renounce their federal citizenship in favor of a state citizenship. They will rescind their social security number and they'll get rid of all the other entanglements that bind them to the federal government. Entanglements like car registrations, bank accounts, using the U.S. mail, using a driver's license. They don't need no stinking driver's licenses because they don't drive on the highways. Instead, they travel on the easements, which is a whole other thing, legally speaking, or so the theory goes. In fact, they have a whole other vernacular they follow assiduously. It's interesting to talk to one of these state citizens. It doesn't matter what they say because in my experience, there's always some document that they forgot to rescind, some federal benefit they've received they forgot to give back, some signature they forgot to revoke, some Oxford comma they added or omitted. And you can guess what happens next. 
Suddenly, they're a federal citizen again. Suddenly, they owe back taxes with penalty and interest, and suddenly their lives are ruined. State citizenship, sovereign citizenship, whatever you call it, rely on it, and you're throwing yourself under a legal steamroller. Then there are the common law courts. Heard of those? These are pretty cool. I've watched several in action over the years. In fact, I'm currently wearing a T-shirt from one of them, much to the dismay of my producer. He likes me to wear dark stuff. I have one with on the back of it. It's got, let me hold this up for our, our premium speakers. It says on there, the common law, United States of America, lowercase United States, common law courts of the sovereign people. Good grief. Especially these common law courts seem to be invalidating mortgages. Like I said, these courts are pretty cool. Wouldn't you like to invalidate your mortgage? I recall one guy in the audience who challenged that practice, invalidating mortgages. Well, the quote-unquote judge stood up and said, what does the Bible say about false weights and measures? And the poor guy subsided because he already knew how mortgages work. I should probably add that as a rant for another day. Most people don't know how they work. Well, anyway, these courts also like to put financial liens on those they feel who have not followed what they believe the law to be. They like to use the Bible. In fact, it says that on the shirt. It says, Holy Bible. And they use that to justify their judgments. And they also use all these old laws from England that are written in Middle English that nobody can understand. Unfortunately for them, the regular courts have consistently disagreed with their judgments. And if you rely on the common law courts, you are throwing yourself under a legal steamroller. But it is a cool t-shirt, no? <laughs> I like it. And it's good heavy duty, too. Next, I like this one, a lodial title. This one actually has solid legal reality. It gives you a sovereign's title to your land, sovereign like a king, that kind of title. That means it's not subject to taxation, eminent domain, or any kind of state intrusions. Most land in America is titled as fee simple, not allodial, meaning you have to pay rent on it to your state or town. Excuse me, you have to pay property tax on it. I've seen many people attempt to get an allodial title to their land, some with prima facie valid claims, but I have never, ever seen anyone succeed. Never. Fortunately, I've never seen anyone go to jail over it either. Not yet, anyway. I'm not going to have time to go into the straw man theory. It says you're really two people. So let me skip that. I'll come back to that. There's, like I said, I've got a lot more of these. You know, we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. And when it comes to any of these legal novel interpretations, yes, I could say the obvious, things like doing your research completely, investigating before you invest, all those things. But rather... I suggest you observe others who are already following some particular strategy. Watch them and watch them well. Learn from them. Learn all the details. Be certain you know how to pull all the levers and know how to make it work for you. I've done this. Do it first on paper. Do it for years, several years, just to prove to yourself that you can. A lot of this takes time. You may not have the time. And when you do finally reach that point, if ever, where you think you know what you're doing, just ask yourself one quick question. Is it really worth all the trouble, all the risk, all the hassles? Let me repeat, don't do it. It may seem to be a correct solution, but ask yourself question first. Question I always ask myself, what problem are you solving? Let me finish this rant with the point that I raised when I started it. What problem am I solving? To repeat what I said in episode 48, I am far too tired of seeing too many good people getting run over by a steamroller, especially when they are the ones who are personally driving it. 
And on that viral note, it's going to have to wrap it up for episode 51 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about the coronavirus running for public office? What do you think about state citizenship or anything Pennsylvania related? If you have something to say, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there, too, as well as on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 AM and other times these days. And we're also on Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 on the AM dial every Monday at a yawning 7 AM. And every episode is also released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Our marketing guru is Connor Dragotis. Our featured Toastmaster narrator is distinguished Toastmaster Lisa Jones. Thanks for coming, Lisa. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Our featured Toastmaster cohort is Ed Metz. Great job, Ed. Thanks. Great, great to be here. Our official bartender is Brooke Smith. Keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, who I survived death several times. I think maybe Joe, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Radio producer, Brett Kronberger, who just cued the music for us. Thank you, Brett. Executive producer, Mark Vizzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Crawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Thank you.